Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. But he had said that he's 37. He had a fairly major heart attack. And what I thought was interesting about this is when people do have and near-death experiences, they tend to look at life a little differently, be more grateful, and just appreciate the smaller things more, start new habits, be on your phone less, things like that. And so I was wondering if you've ever had any near-death experiences. Well, yes and no. I've had several experiences of going into the light I don't think that when the doctors say this is just some residual thing that happens in your brain, I know absolutely for sure that's not accurate. Now, it may be different for certain people as they're dying, but I don't believe that's accurate. I think that what's happening is more you just completely leave contact with your physical body and you are in your light body. You're in your soul. And the major part of your consciousness is in your soul, which is a rare thing because usually it's kind of a shared situation. Mm-hmm. The first time that that ever happened to me was I was one of these kids that nearly died of every single childhood disease. I really got them bad and I really got sick, but my worst was when I had chicken pox and they, apparently they did not think I was going to make it. I remember being up by the ceiling in in my bedroom and looking down and seeing my father holding my hand and my mother nearby and knowing that I was going to die. I Mm. thought that I'm not going to die. This is, I'm not going to live. I'm going to die. And this is the last time I'm going to see my parents. Fortunately, I didn't die, but I was very, very ill. So that was an out of, body experience where your consciousness, I think in times of severe crisis, like if you had been shot with a gun or had a very, very bad car wreck and your physical body's in bad shape, then you're on this line. It can kind of go either way. You might make it, you may not make it. Like your body gets in shock, so your soul kind of leaves and then it's more of a conscious decision from your soul body to stay or to go. Or the angels, your higher self, and everybody else that's running the show, you know. (laughs) Do we pull out something special and make this work or not? Uh Um, The second time that I had that experience, my parents were throwing a cocktail party. And it was a really big cocktail party. So our living room, dining room, the whole place was just full of people drinking a lot. And there was one person there that was a either a doctor or a dentist but also a hypnotist and he said let's hypnotize everybody for fun I was sitting on one of the sofas and kind of in the corner of the room sort of semi reclined like most teenagers and I'm like okay kind of want to be involved (laughs) but kind of don't care what the parents do really and I thought, okay, well, this will be interesting, follow along with this, less boring than what had been happening. 
as soon as they he started the hypno the hypnosis, I saw myself separate from my body and I saw myself laying there on the sofa. And I, at first I was like, I'm not sure what to do about this other than I was watching. And then I just went somewhere. I wasn't, didn't have any sense of wanting to go anywhere or have any direction. So if I was directing it, I wasn't aware of that. I wound up in this little boy's bedroom and I saw him like struggling, uh, and kind of trying to get out of bed and then got out of bed and sort of weakly walked over to this chair and sat down. And then I left and I thought, well, that was kind of weird and strange. It was not anybody that I knew. And then I saw this light and I started to go into the light and I went more and more into the light. It was very, very bright, but it wasn't bright, like looking into a headlight where it was annoying or hard to see. It just became more intense the more I went into it and I no longer had a soul body or any kind of body that I could see. And I remember thinking that this is really very cool that you can be in the light and completely part of the light. And at the same time, you don't lose who you are. You're still, but I felt very comfortable. I felt very loved. I felt uh, very awestruck and inspired about it. What What do you mean, like, no anxiety over? Well, I would get nervous sometimes if we we're going on a long car trip or if we were safe or uh, if someone asked me to, you know, try out a roll, try out a roller skate or a skateboard, you know. Okay. Or, I just had. So you kind of came back and you're like, I'll try everything. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, since then I've done, I, I was looking at the top 10 most dangerous sports and I have done quite a few. Really? <laughs> what are the top 10 most dangerous sports? Well, I don't know if I can tell you the whole list, but I know rappelling off a mountain was one that I've done. <laughs> Rock climbing, rappelling and, uh, I didn't know that you've done that. Yeah, I did. That's cool. <laughs> um, uh, uh what's that we did in hawaii up in the uh paris paragliding 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 uh all the gliding so no, we did parasailing parasailing okay yeah. parasailing yeah i had done that once before um before you were born and then um and of course scuba diving and extreme scuba diving <laughs> night diving <laughs> i've done a lot of them i just lost my fear or a lot of it, not completely, but a tremendous amount of my fear went. Yeah, I think when you have situations like that happen that are kind of out of your control, like I had a situation happen with my lungs where I had like a little bit of air escaping from my lungs into my neck and stuff like that. And it was just totally a fluke thing that... But very dangerous. Well, but, you know, the doctors couldn't figure out why it had happened. I hadn't done anything particularly dangerous, scary, or have any physical contact with anything. So it was just a very kind of random thing that happened. But after that, I definitely felt like there was a lot of things that are out of my control. And so more it was the... And I didn't have an experience of going into the light, but I felt more from after that experience of just, okay, there's a lot of things out of my control. So 
what's in my control is the things that I can do each day that I'm alive and how I spend each day and what I want to be doing on each of those days. And so that is spending more time, you know, being grateful for the little things and going on more hikes or taking the chance to do a lot of adventures. And I think some of that comes from just having like an experience that's out of your control. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, and all of that is good. I mean, that made your life richer and better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, and then I had uh, a doctor randomly change a prescription and I took the prescription one day and I didn't feel well. And I took it the next morning and I wound up in severe anaphylactic shock. Um, they raced me to the hospital at one point and, and I remember sitting in triage with the nurse and I said, well, I don't want to worry you, but I'm having tunnel vision and I don't think I'm going to be breathing much longer. <laughs> and that was pretty much the last thing I remember. I didn't necessarily go in the light, but I wasn't worried. I didn't feel like I was going to die. Although I guess I was out unconscious for seven hours and they did call a cold blue on me and they did a lot. <laughs> I guess I had more drugs in that one day than I probably had in my entire lifetime, but uh, had a lot of faith in someone to save your life. <laughs> mm -hmm. My mother said the doctor came in with his hand around. He couldn't even close his hand around this number of syringes that he just started sticking you with everything. <laughs> God, in my IV line, I don't even know what it all was. Um, but I wasn't concerned. I wasn't concerned, and. And I've never been really concerned since then. I, I have this really absolute knowing that we don't really die and go away. We don't disintegrate or there's not nothing. There definitely is something. There's something and it's very, really awesome. And I have, I'm not, I'm not afraid at all of dying and I'm not worried about it at all anymore. And then when I went to Brazil, which I've talked about on many podcasts, is I went into a, what they call a full trance, full medium trance. And basically that's where you go into a light and a light being like an angel comes into your body and you have no consciousness of what's going on. But you lose the ability to see either your spirit body or your soul or your physical body. You become without a body or it feels like that. I don't think you actually are, but it feels like that. Yeah. Cause I think there's a few common threads from people that have experienced this and coming back and they are more grateful, accept things that are out of your control. They trust your instincts more. They take more risks. They do more of what you love and spending time with those that you love. And most of that, well, practically all of that is been true for me. I definitely trust my instincts more than I did when I was younger. And the older I get, the more I trust my instincts, not less. I just found that that's one thing uh, that's very important. I've definitely taken a lot of risks, done some pretty dangerous things. I mean, I used to go walking in the forest by myself for 
five, six, seven hours with nobody knowing I was there or anything else. Mm -hmm. one, one time I was tracked by a cougar coming back, but I was, again, I wasn't worried. I definitely have been more devoted to healing and to helping others. And I want to get that message out for people that this is what happens or can happen. So they have less fear. Mm -hmm. People go through all sorts of maciations trying to figure out how to avoid death and, and all their fears about it and maybe don't even go out of their house so they're safe. It's kind of unfortunate because being outdoors, being in nature, although it's not always user-friendly, is pretty great. Not always user-friendly. <laughs> I don't like poison oak. I never thought the forest was very user-unfriendly. I suppose that's true. So I think you do. I think you do get more of appreciation. And I think, and I am very grateful. I'm very grateful to have that experience. Yeah, so without everybody having to go out and get a near-death experience of their own, what message would you say to them so they can start applying some of these aspects to their life now? Well, in terms of what they can do, I think one thing, I mean, and of course, it sometimes it all seems to come down to it, but there are, med if you do meditation often, there are times in meditation where you just, you can spontaneously go into the same state. Mm -hmm. I had somebody just a couple of days ago sent me a phone text saying she had gone into basically nirvana in her meditation and she's, it's been a couple of weeks and she can't seem to quite come out of it. She's just in this really profound state. I do think like since I started, you know, adapting meditation to my own practice, but specifically one of the things that you suggested is like sending those people that you love just sending them love like oh you know i'm gonna send i'm just gonna send some love to my mom you know my friend my neighbor this neighborhood this town and when i sit down and do that in particular i do feel a lot happier and more full of joy that's a meditation that i don't know where i learned that or I can't even remember now, but it would just start by saying I'm I'm gonna expand the light in my heart, my mind, and fill myself with that light. And then I'm gonna expand the light into my house and on my family and sort of breathe and see that happening. And then I'm going to expand that light to my neighbors around my house and wish them well and send them love. And then I'm gonna expand that light to my town and see my whole town in golden light and everyone's happy and you know relaxed and then in the state and then the country and then the globe i mean that's something even if you are too afraid to get out of your own house because your fear of a fear of death that is something that you can take control of now yes and you will feel better and and you actually are making a difference i mean what if everybody in the United States woke up and did that? I don't know. What would happen? We have a lot of happy people. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really fabulous. But by doing that, you're just you're just extending this energy of love and light and protection around you. And it definitely is going to be strong around you and your family. And it does make things better. Part of the problem or you know, maybe part of the solution 
is that people don't realize that they have a light body. They have a soul. They have a, there's part of them that they completely are in denial of. They think maybe they have, like maybe I have angels, maybe there's higher beings, maybe all this is happening, but they don't really know or experience that they have a soul and a light body. And the truth is we are light bodies. We're much more that than we are physical person. Hmm. I mean, the more that I experience some things like that, the more I'm like, why do we even have a physical body too sometimes? Good question. <laughs> I'm like, man, all this other stuff is so much more interesting sometimes, but. Well, uh, and I, there are certain American natives that will say that the dream world is the real world. Mm -hmm. This is not the real world. The dream world is the more important. Well, when you're in the dream world and you're conscious, you're in your light body. You're in your soul. Mm -hmm. You're not in your physical body at all. Um, you may have some attachment to it. I mean, you can always go back and find it, but you're, you are in your, you're in your soul body. And I think sometimes when people say they never have dreams, it's because that is such an uncomfortable concept for them that they block the memory because they don't want to have that realization that I am a light body, that I'm I'm something beyond my physical body. Hmm. Well, many people think you, know, you die. That's it. This one shot. You're dead. You're dust. Mm -hmm. But that's not that's not true at all. So if you totally believe that, then it's hard to have a lucid dream because you would be confronted with the concept and the actual something that goes against your belief. Yeah, function the functioning of your light body. One of the shocking things that happened to me is I was on the freeway in LA and I, the traffic all stopped and the person behind me didn't stop, not even, didn't even break, just hit the back of my little Honda. I had a little tiny Honda and it just totaled my Honda, smashed me into the car in between. And my soul went flying out through the windshield. I stayed conscious. And, and I was in my soul body and I flew out and I was standing on the highway, um, on the freeway and I was watching going, it all happen. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, does this mean that I'm dead? I'm not really sure. I definitely could see my body in the car and I tried to get back. And at first I couldn't go back. Oh, so yeah, I that thought, would be a little terrifying. <laughs> I thought, wow, I think I might have just died. I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> and then I wasn't out there for a really long time, but maybe a minute or two. But it was I was very conscious. and It was very freaky. And then I was back in my body. And, of course, everything hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when the uh, police did come and they said, did you get the license number? Because the car actually drove away that hit me. And... Uh, I said, yeah, I remember it completely. It was like six nine H three C five seven two nine three. You know, I just kind of went on for about twenty five numbers. He just kind of scratched out what he was writing down. He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you better get you looked at. <laughs> and in a way, I mean, I don't wish car wrecks on anybody, but I mean, it, it it's a good experience to be a hundred percent in your soul body, and then. 
back in your physical body and have that contrast and know that that happens. Yeah. I have a friend that got into a bad car accident when he was in high school and it definitely seemed to work against him. I don't know exactly what happened to him in that sense. Maybe he had something like that, but he hit black ice around a curve and then his car flipped. And I think it just, I think it kind of terrified him to leave the house in a sense. And, you know, he was very afraid of driving for a long time. And I think still is, although he's getting more comfortable with it. And, you know, this is somebody that's now like 35 years old, but, you know, 17 years ago had a well problem happen. And instead of having these positive aspects of a near-death experience, definitely went the other way. Like, I'm for sure going to die experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that can happen when you have uh, something like that, a, a strong in, impact like I had, uh, or you're rolling around in a car or you're falling off a mountain or something like that, is the alignment of your soul can go, you, your soul can go out of alignment with your physical body. And it's a lot like when a bone breaks or, uh, you know, and the bone's out of position and has to be put back in. I've seen many cases where the soul is just out by six or eight inches in one direction or other that matched the initial impact of something like that. And the person doesn't feel okay. And sometimes they don't heal. Sometimes their pain doesn't go away until that is put back in. We just need a bunch of psychic surgeons out there. <laughs> well, it's not that hard to put back in. I mean, it really isn't. Almost anybody that can feel any kind of energy, can do any kind of energy healing, can go around about five or six inches around the area of the impact. And if the soul's out, you can feel this kind of electrical fuzzy line where the edge of the soul is relative to the edge of the body. And then you can just like put your hand there and Think of pushing it, although you're pushing like air, it feels like nothing. But as you as you stay on that line, you move back from it an inch or so, then you push and move the line with intend it to go in, intend it to go in, and keep doing that. It takes about maybe 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, it'll go all the way in, and you'll feel this like little chunk, like, okay, I'm back in alignment. And then that person heals better, and their pain goes away, and some of their anxiety clears up. It, it, was, it was just like that initial shock of it returning kind of thing. I think you feel more of the pain and everything when you do return. Mm -hmm. And so that can be, you know, kind of a shocker. Wow, my body is really hurting. I didn't realize that. Even though they were in pain, but they didn't really feel it on some level. Mm -hmm. But I've done maybe 30 different people that have had that happen from different things. One lady broke both ankles in visiting the pyramids and one person fell off a mountain and car wrecks and various different things. And uh, they both, it really made a huge difference. Do you think that's something, cause you're kind of suggesting that you need a second person to push your soul back in, but do you think that's something kind of like, I'm willing to be in my body, like an exercise, like a, general meditation of like, if this is out of alignment, I'm willing to pull that 
part of me back in? Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I've had people that I've told them about that and they've tried various different things. Some of them quite psychic people without much luck. Okay. And I don't know if you can reach around to, you know, maybe you could and try to do it with your own hands. Mm -hmm. It's possible. It seems like it needs a little like physical maneuvering. So usually a second person, but one of the people I worked on were, they were in Europe. And so we just got on the phone, sort of a three-way conversation. And I put some energy on their avatar at the same time. And we were able to successfully do it in like 10 minutes. It's not, like I said, it's not difficult. I have one I just saw two days ago, I'm working on right now uh, that has this area on the side of his head that's definitely out of alignment. I haven't talked to this person yet, but I'd be willing to bet he has a lot more pain and headaches and things than he will once it's back in alignment again. Your light body, your soul is a very, very real thing. It's a very functional part of you. It's probably the much larger part of you, not the smaller part of you, and the much more important in some ways. I really do think it's like the like an iceberg we are the tip of the iceberg and there's this huge part of us that is has to do with our spiritual growth our entire history yeah, our entire spiritual consciousness our entire spiritual consciousness consciousness our history for i don't know hundreds or thousands of years any travels we've done in the universe everything everything and I think that part of your higher self is that part of your soul is what is often running you when you just feel like, you know, I need to go to Nepal or I want to do something. Um, and you're not really sure why, but you feel this compelling reason to go do something like that. And that is that part of you that has a lot more knowledge about the whole major game plan. So what's the best way to get in touch with our higher selves? First of all, you are in touch. Yeah. You're never yeah, out of touch. We okay, are so, connected, right? You know, like it's you. It's not. And that's the thing. People are almost like, I think this is not a monkey on your head. This is not a, a dark energy. This is not something that you don't want or you're not sure if you want to be with. Because. Okay. Well, how do we recall the memories <laughs> of our, our, I don't know. Yeah. like I mean, the first thing is acceptance is, is you've got to begin to at least somehow grok the idea that you are a big spiritual person you are a big expansive being of light mm -hmm. you have a light body a very important light body it is you this is you in another phase it's just who you are and the more you're comfortable with that then the easier it is to connect to your angels, to go out of body, to do lucid dreaming, to do healing, to do long distance remote healing, to do remote viewing and everything else. Okay. So is there an exercise to be more accepting of it? Well, is sit down and start to think that I am a light body and I'm going to light that up. It's, it's a lot about light 
and energy and, and positive thought. I'm going to literally see my light body light up from my first chakra to the next chakra, the next chakra. I'm going to be a being of light and just start to think about that is who I am and I'm going to expand into that and be comfortable with that. I've been in more than one meditation where I have seen in the middle of the meditation certain people suddenly it's like I see this huge white being that they become that's almost like 10 feet tall and it's like they somehow transferred their energy from being contained and being unsure into this light body like their higher self mm -hmm. and it literally looks like this really tall being of white light yeah and i think that's really interesting because you say that you could see that you could see me going into mm -hmm. my higher self and then my experience is not realizing that so much of just sitting on the couch and you know trying to clear my mind more yes but again your light bodies your soul your light body is running the show more than you are well <laughs> i want to be more aware of what my soul body's off doing without me <laughs> well never without you because and it's you see my soul body's leaving me on the couch i want to be up there <laughs> and you were but you your own consciousness is limiting that possibility okay so the more you can expand your consciousness to include that possibility, the more consciousness you're going to have of it because everything, see, everything in the astral is thought. When you have a dream, it still seems like you're, you know, lucid dream, you're in the physical world, but you're not in the physical world. You are in a world that is almost totally run by thought. If you're on the astral and you want to, basket of daisies, you think it up and boom, there they are. It's instantaneous creation by whatever you're thinking. Mm -hmm. I have had several times I've had people had ghosts in the house and I think up what they need. This ghost is wanting this or that. Let's think it up and sit down and close my eyes and think it up and the ghost is happy and they go away. Mm -hmm. It's all it is a realm of instantaneous manifestation and thought. So it's more just like letting go of the idea of control and accepting that it's there. Almost everything is surrender. Surrender. <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> yes, you can't control it because you don't have the knowledge. You know, it's like that. I, I remember in school they were saying one advantage of a dictator is that if there's a real serious problem, everybody does what they say. You know, they may have more information than they know. So they could say, everybody get below this elevation because they know there's a gas cloud or something and you're going to be safe. Your soul body has all the information, mm -hmm. all the information. You don't have much of the information. So you're not the better judge, even though you feel like you should have be in charge of the whole thing. Well, if it's me and it's my soul body. <laughs> well, your soul body is. 
That part of your consciousness is. Okay. But that part of your consciousness has all of the information. Yeah. And the reason I just want access to the information. Well, you have access to the information, but you have to know that. You have to practice that. Okay. Because it isn't like you can't have it. Right. It's more that you more that you don't accept the parameters that you'd have to be in in order to go get it. You know, that one time in Brazil and I sit down and I told my angels, I need this information. I need to know why I'm here. And an angel literally came to me and said, let me take you to a memory between your two lives and then rekindle this memory of me sitting down with two angels at this little round table and discussing where you're going to go, where I'm going to go and what I'm going to be doing in this life. That information is there if you want it badly enough. And they didn't seem to have any trouble showing it to me. But but I don't have a problem with the concept of the angels doing that. I didn't have a problem with them said, come on, let's go see this memory. None of that bothers me at all. I, I thought that was all basically good and ordinary and okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that the information is not there. It's not like the angels are withholding it from you. It's not even like your higher self is withholding it from you. In, in one of Robert Monroe's books, I remember him saying, because he went constantly in the astral, and he said he would meet this being of light, and he'd say, are you God? And every time he said that happened many times over the years, that being would say, no, I'm you. Mm-hmm. So that was similar. Um, I read Will Smith's autobiography, and spoiler alert, he took ayahuasca. He was struggling a lot with his life and filling it with a lot of physical things and so he went down like a self-discovery path took ayahuasca and he describes it as being in a space like literal like outer space situation where he's standing in this room of stars and looking at a body that looks like a bunch of stars and light and he asked him like who are you and the body is like i'm you and so what he came out of that was saying is like well if that's me i'm so beautiful and you know loving and this is all of that and so you know, i don't need to do a lot of the other things that i was doing before like how could i not love myself if i'm this beautiful light being basically and that gives me chills everywhere yes absolutely you know i think sometimes it's tricky with our higher self and tricky with the the information because the information is like it's kind of very cosmic and profound it's not about you know how do i pay my rent or mm -hmm. you know where do i find the perfect mate or job or something it's it's much more cosmic like that i sit down in an ayahuasca ceremony and i said i really want a better understanding of god i really really want that if that's the thing that i would like to have from this more than anything. And then I kind of forgot about that because I figured that wasn't coming. And I, not that I hadn't tried that before, mm -hmm. but then I suddenly had this very profound vision of the Indian God Vishnu, like taking me, you know, wrapping arms around me and like kind of assessing me 
then handing me to the Indian god, the elephant, the Ganesh, mm -hmm. and sitting me on the lap of this elephant god and him looking at me for a minute. And then he put me into, looked like a wormhole. And I went round and round and round and round and round. And I came out and I'm looking at this constellation in the sky, which I don't know stars, so I have no idea which one <laughs> Maybe not even ones we would recognize anyways. Anyway, and I thought, wow, that might be an answer to my question, but I'm not sure that answered my question. <laughs> Open to interpretation. I guess my higher self knows what all that means. It made sense to somebody. It didn't necessarily make sense to me. It was profound, and I still remember it vividly. I don't really quite understand that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, your higher self, well, you may not know, oftentimes your higher self is involved in so much, much expanded. Part of the reason I think we don't have memory of it is because it could be either exhausting or kind of mind-blowing in a way that you can't deal with it. You have to take these little steps to get to the point where that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Things that... Like just oh, baby steps of more acceptance to flying around the universe? I guess. I mean, I had someone on the phone actually last night say to me, you go where no one will go. Okay. You know, and I'm not sure that's true, but from her point of view, the fact that I've dealt with different, you know, different types of demons and entities and various different things, she just said, you go where no one will go. And well, well maybe, but I'm sure there's others out there like me. It could just be your lack of fear of death now that everything will be okay. Well, I don't think, I think it's more than that. I trust my higher self. I trust my angels. I know I'm okay. I know I spent a lot of time in these expanded realms mm -hmm. doing a lot of work and doing various different things as to everybody to some degree. I mean, there are probably some people that maybe they never do anything very extraordinary in their soul bodies, but I'd say anybody that has even an inkling of psychic energy, they're doing a lot. Mm -hmm. They're doing a lot more than they remember, experience, or know. And the only thing that's keeping you from the reality of that is your own constraints, worries, fears, or belief system, or all of the above. When I get into a ceremony or a meditation or everything, the thing I always think, if now's not the time to let go and surrender and just give up my agenda, when will be? Mm -hmm. When will that's the time you set aside for surrender. Right. So if you're not doing it then, when is it going to happen? Yeah. So why be in the complex mind of mine and be thinking, thinking, thinking when I could just surrender and let go? Mm -hmm. And trust my higher self, trust my angels, trust my guides, and just see where that all goes. Because it's not something you can ever preconceive. I drank ayahuasca over 500 times, and every single time was dramatically different. Mm -hmm. So you can't conceive of what you'll be shown or what you'll be taught or where you'll go relate to it. One of the things that keeps you from being in your higher self 
keeps you from knowing that you're in a light body and keeps you from being able to experience and use your gifts is how much anger and uh, negativity that you're expressing. When we were talking about you sending out light and making yourself golden and making your neighborhood golden, that's something that's going to help you to expand into your light body. But if you're angry or upset and you're sending out, you know, I really hate men or my, my, I wish my landlord would drop in a hole or, you know, mm -hmm. there's my sister on the phone. I'm going to ignore that because I never want to talk to that person again. That kind of thing. If you're doing that kind of thing all day, that is what you're empowering. And that is going to be in direct opposition to experiencing yourself as a light being, experiencing your light body. It kind of comes down to the choice. How much time do you want to waste being angry? Yes. How much? Because anger, it's in the past. It's done. Whatever happened, it, whatever happened, it didn't happen right now as you're listening to this. So if you're being angry, then you are in wasting your time with something that you've already gone through and it's done and gone. And I know that sounds somewhat simplistic, but people say to me, why aren't you angry from some of the things that happened to you? Because I don't want to empower the person that hurt me or stole from me or deceived me by spending more time mentally with them. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be in the now with my higher self, with my spiritual body, experiencing all the miraculous things that you can experience when you're doing that. I just saw something on Instagram this morning that kind of relates to that. And it was a really good representation of that concept. It was like, if you have $90,000 in your bank account and someone steals $10 of it, are you going to waste your time being mad as somebody that stole $10? You still have 899, you know, $980 or $90 or whatever left over. And basically they're like, no, you would just move on with your day with that money. So why would you waste a whole day being mad at somebody that says something for you for 10 seconds when there's 90,000 seconds in a day? Exactly. It's totally true. I, when I lived in Utah, the they sent out these tax after tax time they sent out these little bills saying you owe another it was between twelve dollars and twenty nine dollars mm -hmm. every it seemed like almost everybody got one I got one and then what I did is okay send them a check you know? yeah <laughs> and I didn't question at all but I had a friend who she very fastidious about all, everything and she's like went through her taxes right away and read everything and said they're wrong. You know, I don't owe this $29. Yeah. Then she hired an accountant and paid him almost $2,000 to fight him for $20. <laughs> Everything and prove. And then she had appointments and, and missed days of work going down and, you know, presenting her case and all of this stuff. And eventually she did get her $29 back, but, but grief. Yeah. But then she's also 
spent more money fighting it. More than a hundred times. Several days of her time where she could just, like, let it go. Yeah, lost work, fed her bleeding ulcer. So these are... These are the type of situations that keep you from experiencing your higher self. Well, I guarantee you when she was going through that, she wasn't having any awesome dreams of angels, yeah. you know, helping her with anything. Um, she was just too darn angry. She was angry for maybe a year about that. It just went on and on. She'd come over and we'd go, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> the whole text thing. Yeah. And she was mad at everybody that didn't go get but you can get an answer from your angels Mm -hmm. you can get that conversation how do you get that you really really want it you'd be really really demanding you know that they're there you know that you have a higher self you know that all that is real that's part of it that's part one Mm -hmm. and then part two is you say enough already i want to know and i want to know now i need this information i really 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 want it and then they respond. Okay, let's sit down. Just like that. <laughs> That's a good question. But there's still, there was, you know, 340 plus days, I got nothing. Yeah. But that didn't stop me from continuing to demand the information. Persistence. Yeah. I mean, I know there's some more because I don't remember my life as being a Greek, but when I, I got this feeling I wanted to spin, went out, bought a spinning wheel and went and saw someone who knew a lot about it. And she said, you spin in the Greek style. Okay. You know, so how did that happen? It just, I spontaneously knew that probably from a past life. Interesting. And I think a lot of people that when they have these, they wake up and they just sort of know something, you know, you'll have a little kid and the dad pops a the hood of the car and he looks at it and he knows all about mechanics or he knows all about shooting pool or something. I need some of those skills to pop in for sure. And help you me. have plenty of skills. Car mechanics is not one of them. And that would probably be a very interesting and useful skill to have. Maybe in your next life, you could be a mechanic. Maybe. And then you'll come back with that. I still have time in this life. I could still learn. Anyways, I think it comes down to how much time you want to waste here right how much time you want to be angry how much you want to be afraid how much time do you want to be certain that you know everything and it's just pretty flat you know i'm there is nothing more i'm probably never going to be in my soul body i can't do this or that everything about being in the moment and being in your spiritual body and being connected is very expansive when when you are in that energy you feel again loved expansive like there's endless possibilities very well taken care of very safe and that energy is available to you it's not unique to me for sure it's not unique to me it is not unique to anybody it is part of every single person out there that is alive Mm -hmm. and it's part of people that are not alive that are still very real and very alive and very conscious and it will always be that way i don't think it's ever going to change you're going to always have a light body you're going to always carry the love and 
the great memories and some of the sad memories with you in your consciousness forever. And that's all a good thing. No matter how sad or depressed or angry you are, that's not who your higher self is. I've never met a negative higher self. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. On the astral, you don't meet many negative people. I mean, everyone's expansive. So it's out there for you. It's within you for you. You can't get away from it, but you can ignore it. If you've met your higher self, call in, let us know. If you have more questions about this or in any other episode, call in, let us know. There is a link in the podcast description. Voice messages are limited to one minute. Be short or call in multiple times. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us about your near-death experience. Tell us about your near-death experience, what you've learned from that experience. And we'll talk to you next week. And talk to you next week.